what's going on? It's Quinn David Furness. Welcome to my show. Quinn David Furness presents the Bean Town Podcast for Saturday, February 8th, 2020. What's going on? How are you? We're coming to you live from the north side of Chicago. Went for a nice little run this morning. The sun was out on the lake. It was a it was a phenomenon of epic proportions. We don't get the sun too often here in, in February in Chicago. That was very exciting to witness that. Uh, six miles. And it, uh, boy, I'm hurting. I tell you what, I, I've been running, you know, three-ish miles, a lot of 5Ks, two or three times a week on the treadmill past couple months. That's been where I've, where I've sort of settled into, which is not a bad place to be you know, settled into, but, um, it was just, haven't run six miles in an embarrassingly long time, and so this was a little bit of a butt kicking, but, you know, I finished it, legs are a little sore, got a lot of, um, fun twitches and such in my toes and other, uh, pet, pedantic muscles coming from the Greek root ped, P-E-D, meaning foot or to walk, Um, pedantic muscles. There you have it. So um, we're really excited today for obvious reasons because it is our 2020 Oscars special, a third annual, and you better believe we've got our special guest back for this podcast. Ryan Austin English is our film expert, and he wipes the floor with the predictions every year. Uh, I don't think I've ever beat him, and I'm not planning on beating him this year. Particularly this year, I just feel completely in the dark. Um, It's a combination of I've seen fewer movies, and I just feel like I have no idea what the hell is going on in a lot of these categories. So we're going to do our best, but I'll let you know before we bring Ryan in that listener discretion is advised on the Beantown Podcast. Number one, we'll occasionally use some colorful language. And number two, this podcast is objectively terrible, although it's like 200% better when we have friends and guests on. And so we're really excited to be able to bring that to you today. Uh, as always, this episode's going to be pretty long. We apologize. We're going to try to move through the... Uh, You know, frankly, just the ones we don't know about as much um, as quickly as possible so we can spend maximum time uh, on things that you actually want to listen to. We're going to be we're going to be having a good time. Kick back, relax. If you're listening to this before the Oscars, you can uh, see how your predictions stack up to ours. And if you're listening to this post Oscars, then you can see just how awful I was, probably how good Ryan was. So let me take a quick pause here, and I'm going to get Ryan on the line. And when we uh, next time you hear my voice, it's going to be both of us, and we'll jump right in, right on in. I can't even speak. It's going to be a rough one. Yikes. All right, here we go. And now we are fortunate enough to be joined by podcast legend, oftentimes collaborator on the podcast, host of his own podcast, but we'll get into that in a little bit, and uh, movie extraordinaire, just told me he's going to be watching two movies tonight alone, that's wild, Ryan Austin English, welcome back to the Beantown Podcast, how are you doing today? Good, Quinn. How you doing? This is our uh, this is our third year doing this, right? It is. Yeah. Soon, before you know it, we'll be at thirty, and uh, yeah. you know we'll be we'll be sitting there in twenty forty seven or whatever, saying, "Hey, man, remember when? Uh, remember when nineteen seventeen came out? It's a hell of a picture." So yeah, a tradition unlike any other. The Masters. Yeah, exactly. You're a natural gymnast. 
that would be <laughs> just think about this for a second. So, you know, 27 years from now, that would be like us now talking about a movie from 1993 or something, which is, uh, I guess doesn't seem that old, but at the same time, it kind of is. I, what one best what picture in 1993? Let me uh, let me look. If I had to guess, I would say like it. I was actually someone asked me the other day what won best picture in 1992, and I couldn't think of it. I guessed Cape Fear, which did not win best picture. Um, oh, I have a good guess actually. Do you the know the English what, Patient? The English Patient. Yeah. Okay. 92 was Silence of the Lambs. 1993 was. Unforgiven, I believe, by Clint Eastwood. Well, I've never seen or heard of that movie before. <laughs> I've, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Um, what was? What did you guess? The English Patient. The, that was, so that one Best Picture, but I think that was a little bit later. That would have been like '95 or something. Let's see. Uh, it came out in 1996, so it was the 1997 ceremonies. Wow, that's that's terrible. That's mm. terrible. That's that's way off in it's, my opinion. Slightly embarrassing. We'll we'll move past that. Um, yeah. What else is going on? Nothing really. Just hanging out, having a good time, being an adult, and honestly, just trying to uh, map out the path of redemption on the Reek Entertainment Channel. You know, mm. been writing a lot of skits, getting ready for car-ride combos to come back it's been it's been a year i think i think it's been like roughly a little bit more than a year since we've done anything like this so you know just trying to ramp it up you know yeah and i know i tell you this a lot both on the air and off the air but when i say you know we miss it and we we love it and we really want it back we're not uh or i speak for some people, including myself, but um, we're we're not just saying it to say it. We love your channel, and and we would love to have it back as soon as possible. No, no, you. We know you've been super busy, um, but we're itching for some content. So, whenever oh, yeah. you drop it, just know uh, how thankful we'll all be for that. Oh yeah, I think I think just at the end of the day, we like it, and it's like. I don't know if you've ever felt this before, but we went through a long stretch of just not being creative and just being the typical wage cuck Americans for like six months straight and like doing nothing creative. And that is totally not fun. Like I really hate it. So I got to do at least something, you know, like that's, I got to scratch the itch, you know? Yeah. Ryan's felt that way for one year. Imagine feeling that way for like 25 years. It's just, (laughs) just wait. (laughs) No, I was having lunch with a coworker yesterday, and, and she was asking me about my podcast and how it got started. And of course, every time I, I talk about it, it's largely started it out of spite. But I have to always bring up the fact that I really don't like podcasts. I don't listen to podcasts very much. It's just I feel like I can't stop now. So I, I could, but I'm not going to. So that's that, see, and that's the motivation, man. We all got to find the motivation, and, and that's the perfect motivation. Uh huh. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what the fans would say if I just closed up shop at this point? There'd be an outrage. There would be a huge outrage. I mean, definitely more than, you know, the impeachment trial that we just went through and stuff like that. I mean, there would be marches on Wall Street and uh, other important things in America. You know, it would just be, it'd be a mess. Beantown would be in shambles. Probably have to fly the flags at half-mast. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, well these 
<clears throat> Oscar specials always inevitably, regardless of how quickly we try to move through them, they always end up being super long. And uh, no promises on this year, but we'll try to keep it under five hours. That's that's sort of where we're going to start at here. Um, as uh, we're going to follow a similar format to years past, we don't skimp on anything. We make predictions, both of us, for every one of the 24 categories, even the ones like documentary short and those other ones that you never heard of, including ourselves. So um, we're going to jump right in here. The, the only preface I'll give, and, and Ryan and I were talking about this before we went on air, is that we both feel way more under-informed this year than uh, the last two years. So... The, uh, a lot of these categories, I think, are locks, particularly acting. So um, our scores might end up being just as good as in years past. I think we usually we usually hover around the high teens, although I, I didn't research um, to see where we ended up the last two years. I think you're usually one or two ahead of me, and it's usually somewhere like 19 or 20 for you, somewhere in that range. Um, so, so we might finish up there again just because there are a lot of the sort of important categories are not toss-ups this year. But that being said, there are a whole lot of categories with five films that I've never heard of, and I don't really know what's going to happen. So that, that's my preface. Ryan, you have anything you want to say before we jump in here? No, just kind of what you know, hitting on what you, what you said, stuff like that. This year, I've I've done very poorly at um, at watching everything. I've done, I think I've done the best that I could given the circumstances and stuff. But I'm still, I'm watching Knives Out and Parasite later on tonight, and still, that's I th- I feel like that's two or three movies short of how I would have done on an average year, you know. And sure. I don't really know. I, I'm just going to chalk it up to, like, busyness and stuff, but I don't really know why that is. And I um, I don't know. I just kind of – I love Sam Mendes. I love Quentin Tarantino. I love um, – I don't really love Ryan Johnson per se, but I feel like there's a lot of movies out there that, that came out this year that I have no desire to see because I, I – feel as though I've already seen them, if you know what I mean. Like, I know what I'm getting into, you know, versus, like, as far as Parasite goes, there's all these accolades and all these different things from every hipster guy that's sitting in his favorite Korean hamster cafe in Brooklyn saying that you should see Parasite. Um, I am interested to see that movie just because I've seen a couple of the director's films and it's always just an interesting... um, interesting take on, on everything and, and you but I just feel like there's so many movies that I'm like I don't have to see that movie because I feel like I know what this movie is about shot by shot almost but I'm gonna do it anyway for research and for uh, America you know and hopefully tomorrow there won't be any surprises and I'll be I'll be pretty on the point you know yep wait hey when you when you watch parasite just my suggestion, turn the subtitles on. It's a whole different movie when you know what's going on. So just a heads up. Yep. All right, here we go. We're going to get started, and uh, we've got some interesting ones at the start here. We're not going from, you know, 
awful, no one cares, all the way up to best picture. It's kind of it's kind of a blend. So uh, we're starting with best original screenplay. The five nominees are Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, Knives Out, 1917. I'm going to take this one first with my prediction uh, because I feel pretty confident about it, and it's one we've talked about already. I'm taking Parasite for best original screenplay. Ryan, what about you? I'm actually taking uh, Quentin Tarantino's uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I just statistically, this is Quentin Tarantino's category. This is like typically, I feel like, actually, I don't remember if Pulp Fiction won in like 92 or 93 this one but i just feel like this is the this is his dominating category he never wins best picture or anything like that but he definitely goes for it here i would say paradise uh, parasite will be a sleeper though so i'm excited we're we have a big category right at the start and we already have uh, differing opinions which is great oh, good, yeah. good good for the uh the listeners as well to keep them engaged um this one could be interesting as well because in terms of predictions i've seen a lot of different things and i actually when i was typing this out um about an hour ago i actually had to stop and think regarding my prediction for a solid like 15 seconds because i really wasn't sure what i wanted to do and i'm still not very confident um I'll, I'll let you take your prediction first on this one so for adapted screenplay we have i the irishman jojo rabbit little women the two popes and joker ryan what are you thinking just get this out the two popes is like such a boring movie i can't believe i wasted my time watching that movie <laughs> Sad. no it's a it's a fine movie but it's just one of those that i'm just like this is such an oscar bait yeah, uh, yeah. movie um i'm actually torn in this one between jojo rabbit and little women okay me too um, i really am if i were to pick uh, i'm gonna go i'm gonna go with uh, I'm going to go with Jojo Rabbit. I'm going to go with that, even though I loved both of those movies. Yeah. So uh, the exact same uh, conversation I was having with myself, and I was trying to decide, do I think the Academy is going to go for like the hip, young, trendy one, Jojo Rabbit, or are they going to go with more of the traditional pick and try to give Greta Gerwig something? And... I, I don't I can't really explain why I feel this way, but I think they're gonna go with Greta Gerwig. So I'm taking Little Women on this one, um, but boy, I I think it's got to be one of those two, um, but I really don't know which one it is. I I feel like completely fifty fifty on that, and that's just a hunch. And even as I say it, I it, I feel like oh, that's probably not gonna be right. So I hope I, don't know. I hope Little Women wins. To be honest, that's the one that I'm pulling for. I really. I'm I am I'm kind of appalled that it didn't get more nominations, but you know I guess that's a conversation for a different time. But you sure. know I guess when you got to throw the Joker into all these things, which I think is a good movie, I do think is a good movie, but I think he's even nominated for directing, and I I noticed a couple there are like legitimate flaws with the movie. And I don't know. I just it's it's a weird year. It's a very just setting the precedent already that you know they doubled down on Bohemian Rhapsody so hard last year, and yet there's not a single nomination for that. Um, uh, what's his face movie? Um, well, there is a nomination for Rocket Man. We'll get to that in a little bit here, but um, uh, I know okay, what you're but, saying. Yeah. yeah. 
Yep. Uh, I really liked Rocket Man. Uh, I'm also very biased because Elton John is one of my favorites. And I've actually, I've got about 50 pages left in his autobiography that um, <clears throat> I'm reading right now. Um, if you, if you want to check it out for the listeners out there, it's called Me. It's by Elton John, and it's absolutely fascinating. It's not too long. It's about... 300 some pages uh, and he's a he's a pretty good writer as well or at least his uh his editing team does a good job so uh we'll get to uh yeah we'll 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 talk a little bit more about rocket man uh when we get to the one category where it does have a nomination but i'm with ryan um i just yeah i, I can't really explain why they loved bohemian rhapsody and did not like rocket man i don't have an answer to that yeah oh well um, okay, so so two categories in and already two differing answers. That's very exciting. Um, this next one I feel pretty confident in, and we'll see if Ryan feels the same way. Visual effects, we have Avengers Endgame, The Irishman, The Lion King, 1917, and Star Wars, uh, whatever it was called, Revenge of Skywalker or something. I, I never saw it. I don't know. Uh, I'm taking 1917 on visual effects. What about you, Ryan? taking the irishman wow okay i could see one of these blockbusters sneaking it out just for you know it's the end of these trilogies and i could see them giving it to one of them just out of sympathy you know all that work now have you have you made it all the way through the irishman oh yeah i have i went to go see it and i saw it in chicago actually before that's it right came out i remember Netflix. that so what what are your thoughts briefly on the the de-aging you think that's a positive for it in terms of this category or a negative or I, I I'm guessing you view it as a positive based off of your pick. It's positive and I only say that because I didn't even notice it in the movie at all. Like there's no weird Star Wars moment where there's like a young Princess Leia and you're like, Why does this person look like an abomination? But with the Irishman it's like I just didn't even it just seamlessly blends into the movie. Sure. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Let's plow ahead here. We're we're gonna do a kind of a twofer here. And the ones that I think I've said this every single year, I don't really I don't really understand how to pick um, differently in these two categories. I think one year I've picked the same movie and one year I've picked different movies and I never know what's going to happen and it's just plain fun. We have sound mixing and sound editing and there's only one difference in the, the group of five. So for sound mixing, you have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Ford vs. Ferrari, Joker, 1917, and Ad Astra. And then in sound editing, you have that same group except substitute Star Wars Revenge of the Sith for Ad Astra. So we're going to take two here, and I'll, I'll allow Ryan to go first. What do you, uh, you pick in here? I am going to go with sound mixing. The winner is Ford v. Ferrari. And sound editing, I am going to do 1917. Okay, and, and talk to us just about the difference here because I don't understand and I'm guessing a portion of the listeners don't understand either. So the best way I can describe this, and I am by no means an expert, is basically 
sound editing is kind of like, I guess we'll use Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, for example, here, is where you're kind of engineering an entire sound for the film. You're making sounds and you're editing them in a way that is appealing and mixes and, and works with the film. And the mixing is the overall mix of the film to where the cohesiveness of... I guess let's just throw it in and just say, you know, the Foley, the music, the uh, transitions in the audio and editing. And still to this day, it's just such a nuanced category that it's like you really have to be a sound engineer to kind of understand where. Because I would just pick stuff like Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker every single year because it's just so rich with, or Ad Astra, where it's just so rich with like just they had to build the sounds, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're not going to go to space and record the sounds of stuff happening. They have to make it, you know? So, I don't know. That's the best summarization I give for this sort of thing, but it's still, like, I feel like these categories are so messed up. Yeah, we, uh, thanks for the the explanation. We ask Ryan every year to explain it for us, and we'll ask him next year and the year after that as well. Um, so you always have that to look forward to. Uh, so, so to be, uh, just to confirm, you're taking Ford vs. Ferrari for mixing, is that correct? That is correct. And 1917 for editing? Yep. Okay. I'm taking 1917 for both. Um, and I, despite being a music major in my former years, I, again, will continue to not really understand the difference between those two. And uh, I, I just I got a hunch that this is uh, going to be a big night for 1917, so I'm just going to give it to both of them. We'll see. So I, th- I think that's a solid pick because I feel like, typi- not typically, but uh, there's a lot of duplicate winners in this category, I think. Right? I, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the way it goes. And it was uh, it was Bohemian Rhapsody last year, which captured our hearts by winning Best Sound Editing. Um, I don't know why. I don't. I don't understand. I still will never understand. It was, or no, that was Best Editing, not Sound Editing. Sorry, I'm jumping the gun here. We'll get to that in a second, but. Allow me to take this opportunity to complain about Bohemian Rhapsody again. So I'll take every <laughs> opportunity I can get. Yeah, we'll get to editing in a little bit here. Uh, we, we've got two categories now, and I'll, I'll just be honest. Haven't seen any of them, which is somewhat disappointing because uh, when I lived on the East Coast in Beantown, I could oftentimes go to a local art theater and actually see these as a package deal. You pay one ticket, you get to see all five. Um, We'll start with short film live action. We have Brotherhood, the Nefta Football Club, Saria, A Sister, and The Neighbor's Window. And I'm taking The Neighbor's Window just because I don't really have any idea, and that just is kind of the aggregate of what I've been reading. Uh, Ryan, where are you at on short film live action? I haven't seen a single one of these, and I'm picking Saria just because uh, someone on my Facebook feed, I don't even remember who, saw it and said they really liked it. So that's the only, I don't know, I did much better with the short film animated than I did this. And I don't even, I'm afraid to look at the short film documentary because I'm sure that is 
I'm sure that's. I, I'm sure I'll just be completely in the dark in that one. So. Yeah, that's how I feel for half of these categories. Uh, you said you feel better about short film animated, so I'm, I'm interested to get a little breakdown from it here for you. We have. Um, I don't know how to say it. Desir, uh, in parentheses, daughter. It's D-C-E-R. We have Hair Love. We have Kitbull, not Pitbull, Kitbull, Memorable, and Sister. And I'm taking Kitbull because I just, you know, I was kind of disappointed that Pitbull wasn't at the Super Bowl halftime show. And I'm thinking the Academy's going to try to make up for it here. So I'm taking Kitbull. Uh, Ryan, where are you at? That is a good, that's a solid pick. I've seen both Kitbull and Hair Love, and Kitbull, in my opinion, has better animation, so maybe that's what they're going to go for, but I'm going to pick Hair Love because it has a better story. So I'm going with story-driven animated short, and I think um, Issa Rae had something to do with Hair Love, I believe. I don't remember if she produced it or, or what was going on, but it's uh, coming from Sony. It's a really good, really good short little movie. I think it's on... Uh, YouTube, I think. So if you want to check it out, it's pretty good. I will. Absolutely. What is, uh, just so I know when I go into the award ceremony tomorrow night, what's Kit Bull about? Kit Bull is basically about a, it's, I think it's done by Disney or Pixar, one of the two. It's, uh, it's about a little kitten that is raised by a pit bull. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's like an abused animal situation. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Oftentimes you can check out um, these shorts on YouTube or just somewhere on the internet. Um, So that's a good point. I I will do my best to do that at some point um, today or tomorrow. Um, Okay. An interesting one here. Another category kind of like the sound ones where I just like I I just don't quite grasp the whole concept. And I I feel better about this category than I do the, the sound ones. But I still don't feel 100% um, on what it's about, or my pick, certainly. But we have production design as a category, and the five nominees are all familiar films. You have The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, 1917, Once Upon a Time, and Parasite. And Ryan, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on production design. Uh, just overall as like a category, as like what it is, or do you just want me to... No, your pick, have... yeah. My pick is 1917 for this one. This is... Um... I feel like there's a lot of pretty uh, well done set pieces in this one that I think will be will be beneficial in this category. You're right. It's a really fascinating film to watch behind the scenes stuff. And uh, I actually I watched this film in in Chicago with my brother and uh, another friend of the podcast, Tarek Shahada, and uh, it was fun. <clears throat> briefly chatting about the film after we watched it in theaters, just to try to, you know, feel okay. Where where were the spots where they definitely made cuts? Um, where you know strategic opportunities to do that sort of thing. But the the entire like filming location, the filming process. As well is really fascinating, um, and I I think I heard they didn't start shooting this film until April or something like that, um, which is just kind of mind-boggling. I saw um, George Mackay, I think is how you say his name. He did one interview that I saw, and it was it was just fun to hear him talk about. Uh, shooting and and some you know some segments are a minute long, some segments are eight minutes long, and how everything has to go just perfectly right. And it was it's just yeah, it's one of my favorite kind of behind the scenes things 
that I've seen in a while. So production design, I'm also taking 1917. And, and Ryan, I know you haven't seen it, but uh, hopefully you will get the chance at some point here. Oh, I will. I will. Yeah. Like I said, I'm a huge, I'm a huge Sam Mendes fan. Fan. I'm not like a James Bond guy per se, but when he did, I think he did Skyfall. That movie is like really, really, really well put together and good. And he also directed. I think it's like a faux indie movie. It's called Away We Go with John Krasinski and Maya Rudolph. And that's one of my favorite yep. movies ever. Like, it's very, I highly suggest people watch that movie. It's very good. Yeah, that's a movie that I feel like a lot of people don't really know about for one reason or another. I'm not sure why. But yeah, it is a very, uh, <clears throat> very much a worth watching film. Um, yeah. Oh, I was going to say one other thing I forgot. Oh, well. Um, boy, what was it? Man, it was it was going to be a really juicy tidbit too. It's like I feel like TMZ or something. I had breaking news. Maybe it'll You're come back to me. Make a joke about how you know you should go back and watch American Beauty by Sam Mendes, and then go over like the creepy content of it, and it's starring Kevin Spacey, and just be like, you know what? Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe we should just leave that movie in the past. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll watch anything that Wes Bentley does. If you throw in a plastic bag, too, I'm sold. So, big fan. <laughs> um, okay, so we, we alluded to this category in one of its nominees earlier. Um, original song. We got four of the five songs start with the letter I, which is just fun. We have I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man. We have I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away from Toy Story 4, performed by Randy Newman. We have I'm Standing With You from a film called Breakthrough, which I'm not familiar with. We have Into the Unknown from Frozen 2. And we have Stand Up from Harriet. Um, This seems to be a lock to me. Hopefully it is because I'm really happy about it. Elton John's going to get another Oscar. I'm Going to Love Me Again from Rocket Man is my pick. What about you, Ryan? I think we're finally in agreement. I think that nice. this has got it. This has got to be what they pick. It's a fun song too. It's pretty catchy. Oh, yeah. I like it. Hmm. The music video is really good too. They take a couple clips um, from this one Elton John song called "Wrap Her Up" that he did with George Michael in like '86 or something. Like peak Elton John Coke phase. And the greatest thing about this song, because I don't think very many people know it, because Elton John in the 80s, kind of a pseudo period. Um, but it's a, it's him and George Michael, rest in peace, singing about beautiful women. And you got these two gay guys up there just going at it on stage. It's, it's pretty good. It's a pretty catchy song. If you don't know Wrap Her Up, go check out the music video. And there's an extended version, too, that's six and a half minutes long. And a, a like a disco remix that's ten minutes long. I like to listen to that one in the shower. So I guess what I'm saying here is my pick is I'm going to Love Me Again from Rocket Man. Nice. And I am, and I know, well, actually, okay, we'll, we'll get to Best Actor right at the end of our show here, but I'll just mention this now. Taron Egerton not getting nominated is just, how do you how do you go from, and here I'm going to bash on Bohemian Rhapsody again, but how do you go from Rami Malek winning this to then Taron Egerton winning the Golden Globe to not getting nominated for the Oscar? Um it's frustrating to me, and, and we'll explain why he didn't get nominated um, towards the end of this show. I don't think it has much to do with him, and it has everything to do with guys like, um, <clears throat> well, 
I can't even remember who's nominated now. Basically, he got left out because the, in my opinion, the Academy wanted to please some other people who didn't, I felt like, really deserve it. But we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, okay, let me find my place again here. So we've done original song. Sticking with the music trend, we'll go to original score. This is a very interesting one. Uh, our nominees are Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, Star Wars, um, Rise of Skywalker, I think is what it's called, and 1917. I don't have a really great feel for this one, and before I turn it over to Ryan to let him pick first, I'll mention this is John Williams' 88th birthday today, I believe, and this is his 52nd Oscar nomination, which is second all time behind only Walt Disney. So a little uh, tip of the cap to Mr. Williams. I, I don't think he's spoken much about it recently, but I believe he's signed on to do Indiana Jones 5, and I'm not sure if he's scheduled to do anything else. Um, this was confirmed to be his last Star Wars film, um, which is exciting. If I ever saw it, that would probably be the reason I, I, wa- or I, I watched it, just to hear the score one last time. But uh, I'm, I'm not really sure on this one. I mean, I have my pick, but I, I'm going to reveal it after I uh, let you parse it out, Ryan. What are you feeling for original score? I feel like this one is um, actually a little bit straightforward. I mean... They could possibly give it to John Williams. I mean, obviously, his body of work is just amazing. He's won so many. He's been, what was it? He's been nominated in four or five different decades or something like that. Like, just like, just insane. But talent-wise, and probably the reason why this movie is listed here so much is, uh, I think, Hildur uh, Good. Gudadutir is that are they are they said it at the Golden Globes and I don't remember but the uh, the Icelandic woman that did the score for Joker I believe is going to win I think it's hands down the only one I haven't heard in this one is 1917 so you know I I could be mistaken but I think that that it lends it lends itself to it makes the film better so it's got to be that's got to be what what it is so I I think you're right. Um... 1917, as you'd probably expect from the style of movie, is a pretty minimal score and just sort of there to support it when it needs it. Um, the The scores from Little Women and Marriage Story I thought were, were good but didn't stand out to me as anything amazing. And just based off of what they usually do with John Williams, they, they kind of give him the nomination, and that seems to be like their show of respect, and they're not going to give him... Uh, the win, and I don't necessarily think he deserves it for this film. Uh, I mean, the sequels in general, he didn't create a ton of original music, and I didn't feel like the original music he created for the sequels was really that amazing. Um, and I, I, John Williams is a legend, one of my favorites of all time. So I'm with you here. Just by process of elimination, uh, I'm taking Joker on this one. So, so we're in agreement on this one as well. Our next category is makeup and hairstyling, and pretty much everything I've seen uh, is is calling for this film to win, uh, which I'll mention in just one second here. Our five nominees are Maleficent 2, didn't see it, never will, 
that's okay. Um, Judy, another one which is going to win big later that I've never seen. Um, but I have seen The Wizard of Oz. So, feels good enough. Uh, Joker, 1917, and then what I think will win, and I also have not seen. I wanted to, just never got around to it. Bombshell, starring... Uh, uh, well, a lot of people, but Charlize Theron and Nicole Kidman and Margot Robbie and um, what's his name? Lithgow played uh, Roger Ailes and a couple other people in it as well. I'm taking Bombshell for makeup and hairstyling. That is a good pick. I feel like this is kind of the hardest category I've seen since since a while. I don't know who. I don't know who is going to win this, but if I were to guess... Oh, I'm going to guess Judy. Okay. I think okay. I think that it's got to be either Bombshell or Judy. I I think that um I don't know. There's just like not like typically in makeup and hairstyling. There's like a dominant. There's like a horror movie that comes out where there's like a lot of prosthetics they need and stuff like that too. Oh, actually, so yeah. I'm going to stick with Judy, but yeah, you might be right with Bombshell because I haven't seen the movie, but I bet you any money there's some prosthetics on these these women's faces and stuff like that to kind of reshape their noses and stuff to look like the women from Fox News. I could totally see that. That would be amazing. Oh, but if, um, if, still go with Judy, though. If you haven't seen the image of, and I haven't seen the film, just a still image of uh, John Lithgow as Roger Ailes, they've got all the fat neck rolls and stuff going on and um oh, yeah nice. Re- a little reminiscent of when gary oldman played churchill but just like mm. more extreme so yeah it's it's one that i'll hope to watch and if i've ever just like browsing netflix or prime or something and it pops up and I, i'm just looking for a solid movie i think i'll turn it on because i think i'd enjoy it um you know, I, I think it'd just be interesting to see that sort of thing. So, but, oh, yeah. um, yeah, the, this next one, I think is the biggest slam dunk we have, um, out of the 24, but let me know if you feel any differently for international film. We have pain and glory, Les Mis, Honeyland, Corpus Christi and Parasite and, uh, not about to gamble here. I'm taking Parasite for best international film. I'm going to agree with you, but if you're a betting man and Parasite loses international feature film, immediately put all of your money on Parasite winning Best Picture. Because, yeah, I mean, it's obviously this is the biggest slam dunk category, but I would be highly suspicious. Because obviously, I think from what I've seen, Les Mis or Corpus Christi is kind of the... um, is is the runners up to Parasite, um, but if either of those win and Parasite doesn't, I would be highly suspect that we might have our first ever international feature film uh, best picture winner. But if they're going to do that, you know, they may as well let it win both categories. But it's just, it would just be it would be odd. So. Yep, I think that's that's a fair assessment. Um, I can't see any reality where it doesn't win unless the Academy was trying to pull tricks and they were going to give it best picture and then give another film international film. I think you're spot on. I don't expect it to happen, but there, that is a, an, a potential opportunity perhaps. Um, okay. So I had jumped the gun on this one a little bit about 
15 minutes ago regarding editing and bitching about Bohemian Rhapsody. So I won't, I won't repeat all of it, but uh, if you'll remember last year, Bohemian Rhapsody, did it, did it just not have a director after it, everything went down or, or what was the situation there? Uh, they switched out directors three or four times, I want to say. And it's one of those movies that like basically the producers were carrying it through filming and Brian Singer was one of the directors at one point. Um, what's that? There's another big director who, the guy who directed The Two Popes, he came in and directed a portion of it, but I believe he, he, either, he was either the one that finished the film or he left because of creative differences, and someone else left because of creative differences. So I'm just like, it, it was a mess, so... Yeah, so the feeling is that the Academy gave Bohemian Rhapsody the Oscar for this just because they kind of felt like the people in charge of editing did the best they could with an absolute shit show. That being said, I still really hated the editing um, in that film, which is why myself and many, many people were so upset that it won because um, it just felt like a, a whole circus and they awarded a film for being a... A circus and not a film that actually was airtight and did a really good job. So, s- quick summary of, of where we were last this time last year. Uh, for 2020 editing, we have Ford versus Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and Parasite. And I, this is probably like a top five for me in terms of ones that I just have absolutely no idea and I've seen a lot of different things and arguments for pretty much all of these films uh, across the articles I've been reading the past couple of days I I really don't know Um, I'm taking Parasite on a hunch but my confidence is, is, is real low where are you at Ryan? I'm kind of torn um, I, first of all, the Joker being nominated in this category is kind of messed up, but, um, uh, I'm torn between the Irishman and Parasite, but I think Parasite is going to win, I believe. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Irishman won. I could see Ford v. Ferrari winning because it's got all that fast paced cutting. And if they're able to maintain that in a way that's satisfying, like that's great. And then Jojo Rabbit's one of those weird ones where I'm like, I don't know, I don't know why this is on here, but <laughs> yep, I agree. Yeah, yeah, it's it's odd, but I'm gonna go with Parasite for this one. So. Yeah, I think the Irishman is interesting because it it stands out among all these other ones because it's three and a half hours long. So the question is, does the Academy like that or dislike that? And it's tough to tell. If it was anybody else, and besides Scorsese, I think they would definitely hate it. But because it's Scorsese and that's kind of his thing, maybe they like it. I don't know. Not sure. Taking Parasite, don't feel terribly confident in it, though. We'll see. Yep. Uh, The next two, I've got no idea. Um, So we'll just jump right in, and I don't really have anything to say about them because, unfortunately, I, I haven't seen any of them, and that's... More on me than anything else, but oh well. Uh, documentary short, we have In the Absence, St. Louis, Superman, Walk, Run, Cha-Cha, Life Overtakes Me, and Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone. I don't, again, have anything to say. I'm picking Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone. What about you? 
I'm going to pick St. Louis Superman. It just sounds cool, but I have absolutely no... I have not seen any of these. And I think a couple of them are on Netflix, too. So shame on me, I guess. Sure. Uh, uh, how long is a documentary short, typically? Isn't have to be... Isn't the parameters less than less than 30 minutes or something like that? I have no idea. I've never cared enough about the category to really <laughs> research it myself. I don't know. I have no idea what quantifies it. I'm not sure. It just kind of shows up every year, and you say something, and you move on. It's just, you know, it's oh, yeah. the way it is. Um, I was I was mentioning this to, to Ryan before we went live today. The For the documentary features, I feel like, number one, usually I've seen one or two of them. But number two, there's usually one or two of them that, it, t- to me at least, attracted significant national media slash press um that sort of thing last year free solo a lot of people were talking about it but also and and this is partially because it was just in our community but um mining the gap attracted a decent amount of press as well but i mean you also had like um what oh what's the creator of that's name um Bing Lu, is that it? Yeah, Bing, yeah. Bing I mean, Lu, he yes. he he was on the Daily Show and stuff, right? So I mean, there was yeah. there was significant press around that as well. Um, and R R G B was that just last year? Um, and uh, I think yes. a lot of people were talking about that as well. This is again just me, and maybe I've been living under the rock, but I feel like there has not been that level of attention for these documentary features. So I'll give you the nominees here. We have American Factory, The Cave, Honeyland. For Sama and Edge of Democracy, which is not the sequel to Edge of Tomorrow, which is getting a sequel, but it'll be a different title. Um, when I what I was reading online was sort of between two things: American Factory and Honeyland. They liked Honeyland because it was also nominated, I believe, for Best International Film. Scrolling back up to check if that was correct, um, but they also really liked. American Factory because the Obamas were behind it. And so I was just trying to weigh in my head, yes, Honeyland was nominated for international film. Weigh the two in my head, think, what do I think is going to happen? I'm not really sure, but I'm taking American Factory on this uh, because of how liberal the Academy typically is for the most part, not in all things, but for the most part. So I'll take American Factory for a documentary feature. I actually, I heard the same thing. There's two of them, um, but completely different ones than, than you. Ooh, I like that. Picked, is the, the cave in Forsama, which is really interesting. But I'm not picking either of them. I'm picking Honeyland because just like the, I'm going to be incredibly logical with this, but if it's going to lose out in best international film category and it's, in documentary feature it's probably gotta win this category as well unless there's something domestic that was just overwhelmingly you know better than it but that's just my logic behind it i'm gonna pick honeyland so yeah yeah i i can't disagree with your logic um i am curious this has nothing to do with any of the categories, although I wish it did because I wish it had gotten nominated for something, although I haven't seen it, which is what I was going to ask you about. Honey Boy, the Shia LaBeouf project. Oh, yeah. Have you seen it? I have not, but I just noticed that it's on Amazon last night, so that's definitely a movie I will be watching. Yeah, for sure, because I've only heard good things about it, but it didn't get nominated for anything. 
So. Two Shia LaBeouf movies last year I heard really great things about, and that was Peanut Butter Falcon and um, the one that you were just talking about. 100%. And yet uh, award season comes around, and there's just nothing about it. Nothing going on. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah, you figure one of these days Shia LaBeouf seems like the type of person who the at, at some point the Academy is just going to say, all right, it's his time. Uh, I guess they just decided it wasn't this year um but i i am a pretty big fan of what he's been doing the last five years or so and i hope he hope he continues that trajectory i agree i completely agree all right this is one with some uh big names and we're we're getting pretty close to uh our our home run categories here uh but i've really i haven't seen a lot of disagreements with predictions here so for best director we have quentin tarantino for once upon a time in hollywood todd phillips for joker boon jong ho for parasite martin scorsese excuse me for the irishman and sam mendez ryan's favorite for 1917 ryan i'll let you take this one first who do you like in this category well i'll tell you first who i don't like and it's not that i don't like the movie but i do not understand why todd phillips is nominated for directing there's like a, it's not a mistake, but it's just this poor decision while editing and directing this movie that Todd Phillips takes in the Joker movie that I was just, I was puzzled. Like, I was like, I can't believe this is happening right now. It was very odd. Um, if you haven't seen it, see the movie. There's a lot of good things about it. But as far as directing and editing go, like, it's it's lacking, in my opinion. And I think this is just kind of like the... I think this is just the Academy just being like, hey, if you're going to throw superhero movies at our face, we want it to be like this. We want it to be a social commentary. We want the uh, the character to be actually dissected. We want it to be uh, grounded in realism, which I think are all good things. I'm so sick of superhero movies. But I believe in this category, Sam Mendes wins. I believe that um, especially you talking about starting filming in April, that's just a dead giveaway that Sam Mendes knew and executed exactly what he wanted out of this movie. And I know this movie, just by like reading what critics say, is lacking in certain areas, but definitely not in the bulk of them. So, yeah. Yep, in agreement 100% with everything you said. I'm also taking Sam Mendes. I do want to just briefly circle back, and I'm going to let you sort of flex your uh, movie muscle here. So let's say Todd Phillips is not nominated. Who are you slotting in for the fifth director? Uh, Greta Gerwig, easily. Good, that's what I uh, was going to say as well. Okay, then we are in agreement. Um, Okay, this one is is interesting, and I, I feel like I'm going against the grain... A little bit here, and it's because I think this film is not going to have a great night despite being nominated all over the place. So for costume design, we have Joker, Little Women, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I'm taking The Irishman, which I don't think is – it's not like a shocking pick or upset or something, but I'm seeing just a lot of Little Women and a sprinkle of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood – but I, I have seen one or two picks for The Irishman as well. Uh, curious on this one, Ryan, where where do you feel? Because I'm not that confident on this one. I'm going to pick Jojo Rabbit um, just because it's just like 
just like the cutest fucking outfits ever. It's like if Moonlight Kingdom, if everybody from the Moon, uh, was it Moonlight Kingdom? Moon Moonrise, Moonrise Kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah, if Moonrise, if everybody from Moonrise Kingdom decided to join the Third Reich, like it's just so freaking cute and like Boy Scouty, it's hilarious. And um, there's even a completely original. Uh, costume piece in the movie that is like hilarious and like so well executed it's just really great so i think i'm gonna pick that i but again i have no i have no experience in this category i don't even know if i get this category ever right every year you know i don't i don't know but um like you said though with the irishman it's just hard to tell because it's so uh airtight and perfect and it's not like being creative per se it's just being true to the era Mm. it's really hard to decipher that between like that or like a joker you know but i don't know yeah it will be interesting i think your analysis was spot on there uh this next one i don't think um there's gonna be much disagreement uh cinematography we have joker once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman, 1917, and The Lighthouse, which I would love to talk about for a second um, after you make your pick. Uh, I'm taking 1917 for cinematography, Roger Deakins. Nice. And I'm going to not dog the Joker for once because Lawrence Schur actually did a really good job. I'm going to dog Jaron Blaschke for The Lighthouse. I do not understand that cinematography at all. Like, I I understand, like, the square box format. I get that. But I could not believe how dark it is. Like, it is... People complained about that episode of Game of Thrones last season. Mm, Yeah. This is like that, but on steroids. Like, I can't see a damn thing in that movie. Um, Which, that movie in and of itself is very interesting. Like, I... I don't know if I love it. I don't know if I'm hate it. I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still kind of jarred from the whole experience. But my actual pick, when Roger Deakins is nominated, you pick Roger Deakins. There's no other, there's no substitutes. Like, you just can't, this, people think 1917 is going to have a big night. And I think it could too. But I think this is by far 1917's hardest lock in the entire uh, cinematography, in the entire, all categories. And it has nothing to do with it being all premised around it being one shot. <laughs> like, I think that that can be kind of gimmicky at times and stuff like that. But Roger Deakins is a pro. He's essentially the John Williams of cinematography. Like, I, I just think he's amazing. So Why'd you <laughs> spill your beans? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Did you watch uh, The Lighthouse in a movie theater or at home or somewhere else? I watched it at home, and I don't remember. I couldn't remember if I had lights on or not. I think it was yeah. it was fairly dark. It was definitely at night, and I sure. don't think it was. Yeah, I don't know. So, I really like the lighthouse, and the the entire visual aspect of it took some time to adjust to. Um, I think the the brightness aspect of it was a little bit better for me and maybe that's because it was a movie theater setting or maybe that's just because we have a difference of what's good and what's bad um but i i i want to get a a take on this from you do you feel like 
either, and I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer to this, but do you feel like, in your opinion, either one of those actors got snubbed this year? Um, if one of the actors got snubbed, I feel like it was Willem, I feel. Um, I will see, I, when we get there to those categories, I will confirm. But also, um... Robert Pattinson, I don't know if he was doing this on purpose because obviously that would kind of lend itself to this movie, so maybe that's what it is. But Robert Pattinson noticeably switches accents throughout yep. the movie, and yep. I don't understand. Like, I kind of, if he's doing it on purpose, I get it. If he's doing it on accident, then obviously that's a huge, huge, you know, you're, you're fucking up as far as acting goes and stuff like that. But if you've seen the movie, you could understand why that might make sense for him to do that. Um, but yeah, it is an interesting, I, I don't know what I feel about it. The whole experience has thrown me for a loop. So I've, I've read the, the conversation, uh, online regarding the accent and, I like to believe that it's on purpose because I actually think, and I think a lot of people still just know Robert Pattinson for Twilight. But if if you begin to follow his body of work the last five minutes or five years or so, um, I'm actually a pretty big fan of of his acting ability, what he's doing, um, the projects he's taking on. He'll be in uh, uh, what's his face Inception director. Um, Dark Knight, Christopher Nolan's new movie this, this next year. So I, I really like it. I think he's a, a really good actor. So I, I'm hedging my bets that that was on purpose. And again, if he was doing it on purpose, it very much fits um, sort of his character development in the film. So that's, that's what I choose to believe. Hopefully it's, it's right, but either way it, it works. So I guess I'm not complaining. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Perhaps our well, well, we'll see. It's it's certainly the last category we have here that's not a huge hard hitter. Although some people might consider it to be animated feature film. We have How to Train Your Dragon three, Toy Story four. Wow, Revenge of the Sequels here. Klaus, I lost my body and Missing Link. And I'm just uh, taking a page out of the Golden Globes here, and I'm taking Missing Link for animated feature film. Nice. Um, I'm going to... The story isn't really that great in this movie, but I'm going to take Klaus. I love the way that 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 uh, movie is animated. I think it's beautiful. It's great. I hope they continue to make... Uh, they continue to animate, animate movies with that same team. It's really good. Missing Link, I have to... I think it's on Hulu. I have to watch that because... That was probably the biggest surprise at the Golden Globes because people were like, what is this yep. movie? Because at least if they pick I Lost My Body, immediately people can say, oh, it's just an indie, um, some kind of indie. Oh, it's a Netflix. Oh, never mind. I have, I have no idea. It just seemed like kind of like more like an underground kind of animated film and stuff like that, kind of like... Um, uh, Anomalisa, if you remember that from a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, at least there's like a rhyme or reason. Missing Link, people are like, what? What are you talking about? So, I don't know. I definitely need to check it out. Yep, indeed. Um, okay, that's animated feature film. We're down to our last 
five categories, I think. Uh, so we're going to tackle the acting now. Everyone's rejoicing that we only have five categories left, myself included. Um, okay, I'm really curious um, to discuss this one slash just get your take. Uh, I'd be surprised if we uh, if we differed. But best supporting actress, we have Laura Dern in A Marriage Story, Kathy Bates in Richard Jewell, Margot Robbie for Bombshell, Scarlett Johansson for Jojo Rabbit, Jojo Rabbit, <laughs> Jojo Rabbit, it's the, the prequel, and Florence Pugh for Little Women. Um, I am surprised that it all developed this way and that it's going to happen like this, but it's going to be Laura Dern for Marriage Story. Uh, Ryan, what are you feeling? I want to pick Laura Dern. Obviously, I'm a huge Laura Dern fan, but I just feel like that, like, the screen time is lacking for her in that film um, for whatever reason, and maybe that's going to count against her. So I'm torn between Florence Pugh and Kathy Bates, and I have not seen Margot Robbie, so there's no... I've seen all of them but her, so I'm not really sure. I think I'm going to go with Florence Pugh. She had a really big year this year, and I think this is the... Um, I don't think it's an overwhelming, like, she just really knocked it out of the park, but I just feel like screen time meets performance, and she wins out. Would not be surprised if Kathy Bates won, though. Okay, so when award season really got going a couple months ago, it felt like everyone was saying, this is Kathy Bates' year, she's going to get it, she's fantastic, and I agree with that. Now... I don't think I've read a single article in the last month that has picked against Laura Dern. And I I don't really understand it because when I watched A Marriage Story, I thought she was fine, but nothing about her performance to me stood out. Um, I... In fact, I've done Google searches in the past like five days that have basically said, why is Laura Dern going to win the Oscar? Because I just don't... I don't know. I I like Laura Dern. I just don't understand this. Um, the one thing I'll I'll push back on you uh, regarding is the lack of screen time. And I'll just mention that Mahershala Ali cleaned up for Moonlight, and he was in what seven or eight minutes or something of the film. So valid point. Valid point. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I want to just let me throw that sort of conversation over to you to to just add to it if you have anything i mean i i totally witnessed the same thing uh (laughs) everyone was saying get that kathy bates was going to dominate that category and that was the automatic lock and then all of a sudden people just don't care like people just have not seen anybody say anything about her i think it's because uh, there's just this so Richard Jewell is directed by um, oh, Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood, that old cranky guy. And I just think that there's kind of this... Um, obviously, liberal Hollywood has a bit of an issue with uh, some of the things that he says as a person. Um, obviously, he doesn't overtly align with quote-unquote the enemy, but... I think they just I think that people just really struggle to accept him as part of just like the liberal Hollywood in crowd and stuff like that. And I think that's what's going on here with like the Richard Jewell situation. 
um, because obviously it just kind of tells the story of this like the literally it's literally like the Joker. It's just like oppressed white male. Like that's what it is. But like in a valid sense, you know. So um, I don't I don't know, man. Like it's it's hard. I don't know why it's turned out this way. And I agree with you, Laura Dern. It's just you know. It is what it is, you know, but I, I'm going to guess Florence Pugh just because I'm surprised she didn't get nominated for the other movie she did this year, but that movie is uh, definitely an acquired taste, so. Which film was um, that? So it's done by, I almost called him Ad Aster, but his name's Ari Aster. It is called Midsummer. Oh, yeah, and for it sure. It is the most anti-horror movie ever. It has the first opening scene to that movie is probably hands down the scariest scene I've ever seen in a movie before. And the rest of the movie is not scary at all. And all it depicts is these kids being in this very, these uh, college students being in this very odd situation. And it's literally just a deep dive into toxic friendships. And they're so accurately portrayed that you oh it just it makes it creeps you out like you're like this is very accurate to a like disgusting degree um but yeah that movie of course didn't go anywhere because i think overall people um i don't know it's just it's very divisive so um yeah i feel like midsummer and the lighthouse were kind of similar in that for the most part, people really liked it, but the critics just weren't really sure what yeah. to do with them. So yeah, it's yeah. such they're, they're such polarizing films and stuff. Like like Midsummer obviously was criticized for not really being a horror movie when it's like marketed as a horror movie, you know. So that mm. throws so much confusion into the review process and stuff like that. So yeah, that's just how it goes every year. There's a handful of films and it's, I feel like it's, it's those two movies. And then, uh, Greta Gerwig, I feel like, um, there's there's just a handful of snubs that are pretty messed up, you know? So, yeah, we haven't even talked about, uh, Adam Sandler yet. Just wait. Um, Supporting actor, uh, we have Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Joe Pesci and Al Pacino for The Irishman, Anthony Hopkins for The Two Popes, and Tom Hanks for uh, whatever that movie was called, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, something like that. Won't You Be My Neighbor? I get confused because there was a documentary last year or the year before that had one of those titles and then... The Tom Hanks movie was the other one this year. I don't actually remember. I don't have it in front of me. Um, Won't You Be My Neighbor, I think, was this year. I don't know. Who knows? Um, I am not going to go against the grain regarding what most people are feeling here. And I don't completely disagree with it either. Um, I'm taking Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I would have loved to see Al Pacino win this one because he just had – a real fun time uh, playing Jimmy Hoffa, and I thought he was really good. But I think they're going to go with uh, Brad Pitt. But, I mean, you just look up these nominees. This is, like, maybe the most stacked acting category of all time, just in terms of the, like, star power. Brad Pitt, Joe Pesci, Al Pacino, Anthony Hopkins, Tom Hanks. I mean, good luck cracking into that. Uh, I'm taking Brad Pitt for Best Supporting Actor. Nice. Well, 
I'm going against the grain and going with my heart and going with Al Pacino because I love his performance. Um, obviously, I love Joe Pesci being back, but I don't really understand the hype between his performance because yep. he essentially plays Joe Pesci in a gangster movie, which we've seen four times in his history. And Al Pacino, there's just this like glorious aura around him, like in the entire film. And I can just imagine the conversation between he like looks to Martin Scorsese and he's like, okay, like direct me, like how should I act this part? And he said, I want you to be Al Pacino. Mm. And then he chugs a Red Bull, does a line of cocaine and just does the whole three hour movie in like 15 minutes. You know, I just, it's, it's really great. I know three three and a half hours is a long time to watch a movie or whatever, but uh, his performance alone is totally worth it. Brad Pitt is obviously the favorite here, and I haven't seen this movie, but I feel like Brad Pitt has a lot of convincing to do with me. How, like, going into this movie, obviously you've seen it, and I don't want anything spoiled, but, like, I need him to sub- subvert that, like, cool guy Paul character he plays in almost every movie so i'm hoping he really throws me for a loop and there's just like a really interesting uh angle here because i just it's like one of the like i said it's it's one of those groups of movies that i haven't seen yet but i feel like i've already seen it you know so i really hope it it impresses me that's what i want i think you might be disappointed in terms of just expecting some huge different turn out of Brad Pitt in this. I think this is as much as anything, a lifetime achievement award um, for him at this point, which is, and we'll get to best actor in a second here. Um, But that's, that's sort of what I feel regarding this one for Brad Pitt. Um, He's pretty much in my opinion, exactly like you're expecting Brad Pitt to be in, you know, the last 20 years of movies he's made, Um, which it's, it's, it's fine. I liked it. I thought he was he was solid. Um, I'm I'm glad he got nominated. I'm not glad that his uh, his co-star got nominated. But we're gonna get to best actor in literally two minutes here because um, I feel like best actress might move quickly, and I, I don't have as much to say about it. Uh, but the nominees for best actress are Renee Zellweger in Judy. Synthony Erivo in Harriet, I believe is her movie. Scarlett Johansson, a Double Dip, which is exciting. Uh, she got Best Actress nomination for A Marriage Story. Charlize Theron for Bombshell and Sarsha Ronan for Little Women. Again, this seems like a huge lock, and it, I haven't seen it. Don't have really much to say about it, but I'm taking Renee Zellweger for Judy. Uh, I ditto that. Same pick. I don't see anybody else in this category that's really going to live up to that performance. All I'm predicting is that the acceptance speech is going to be fucking weird, and I can't wait for it to happen because oh, it's it's she is a mess of a human. She's it's, a little firecracker. Yeah, it. Uh, well, what that's going to happen in what? 28 hours or something here hopefully before midnight tomorrow which would be exciting so that would be great see how fast it goes um i i'm expecting just a quick sidebar here i'm expecting another uh maybe not a shit show but just kind of a whatever from a production uh standpoint for the oscars and i know a lot of people actually really loved last year i just thought it was 
meh. I didn't, I didn't love it. Um, so I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes, but yeah, I don't know. I, I feel way less into it. I already said this, but I feel way less into it in general. So I think that is, uh, obstructing my opinion a little bit, but eh, we'll see. I, I like having a host, you know, it gives you somebody to rally around. Eh, yeah, whatever. I'm sad about it. I am sad about it. They should just get Dave Chappelle to do it and be done with it and just mm. like just really ruin it for everybody. And then at that point, they're like, hey, we can't – it won't be as bad as last year where things <laughs> were just really horrible, you know? I don't yep. know. Ricky Gervais, I mean, he proved God. that people enjoy – do you see how many views oh, yeah. that opening monologue got on YouTube? People like People like hosts. People like – ribbing people i don't understand what the everybody's got bad tweets man everybody's got bad tweets i don't i don't i don't care who you are like it's just just chill move on cancel culture stupid indeed yep oh well um okay best actor uh we are in our penultimate category here we have joaquin phoenix and joker Antonio Banderas for Pain and Glory, which I have not seen. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, not happy that he's nominated uh, for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Adam Driver for Marriage Story and Jonathan Price for The Two Popes. Uh, again, I feel similarly about this as I did with Best Actress. I haven't seen anything that's saying anything differently. Taking Joaquin Phoenix for Joker. I am taking Joaquin Phoenix as well. Um, and I love Adam Driver. I love Leonardo DiCaprio. I love Antonio Banderas. I love Jonathan Price. But eh, what a down year for lead acting. I mean, Big time. I, there's it, it, like you can just tell outside of Joaquin Phoenix. There's no there's no ranged performance at all. You know, I just I. I don't know, man. It's it's this one's the the roughest category. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Antonio Banderas or Jonathan Price won. I'd be like, oh yeah, totally. I mean, like, what a what a shit show of a of a category, you know? So I don't know. It's it's rough. It's why I'm so upset that Adam Sandler somehow could not get nominated because I I don't think Adam Sandler can do better than what he just did in Uncut Gems, and I think that performance was absolutely magnificent. Um, yeah. It, it blew me away. I loved it. That movie was weird and really infuriating at times, but I thought Adam Driver's performance, or excuse me, uh, Sandler's performance was just spectacular. So I'm really upset that they gave a nomination to Leonardo DiCaprio and not to Adam Sandler for this. Yeah, I I have no idea. Like, he didn't get nominated for a Golden Globe, right, Adam Sandler? I don't think so. See, and that's where the Oscars needs to take their opportunity and realize that they can really set themselves apart from the Golden Globes. Because let's be honest, the Golden Globes have always been just the meh-est award show ever. And the Oscars have always been on the verge of glory but they keep on falling backwards and backwards. Like, obviously, you have the overwhelming issue of just, like, it just being, like, enriched with just white art all the time. Obviously, that's an issue and stuff like that, but there are some extenuating circumstances that kind of contribute to that. Um, But on top of that, it's things like that, like Adam Sandler not being nominated for, you know, 
that that movie and stuff like that. And every year, there's always one like it. It's just it's agitating. Yep, very disappointing. Um, saw that movie with my family in Oregon. We didn't really know what to expect. I think everyone. No one walked away from it feeling like, oh, yeah, that movie was awesome. But you can't deny that the performance and the acting in general in that film, as strange a movie as that was, it was very well acted. And, uh, yeah, I just uh, – Adam Sandler's never going to win an Oscar. Um, and I don't necessarily feel that, that he should have won an Oscar for this. But, like, man, you sh- – such a weak category this year. How does he not get a nomination? Just yeah. disappointing. Oh well. I agree. But um I don't know if I said Joaquin Phoenix, but I at least insinuated it. Yep. Joaquin yep. Phoenix wins this category. So Yep. It will also be his first Oscar, um, along with Brad Pitt. Um and I think they both uh I, I it's more especially Joaquin, I think he definitely earned it. Brad Pitt I think eh, I could go either way, but um yep well-deserved um, sort of lifetime achievement for both of those actors. Uh, okay, 76 minutes into the podcast, we have reached our final category and probably the uh, not, well, not the biggest toss-up here because um, there's ones that we just have absolutely no clue on, but um, it feels way more wide open than in recent years. But then again, I mean, Moonlight pulled off the upset a couple years ago. Um, I mean, I guess people were kind of thinking Green Book might have won last year. I still just can't believe that it did. But, oh, my God. Um, Don't remind me, please. <laughs> I won't. Uh, we have nine nominees for Best Picture, which has been the case recently. Um, and we've all talked – we've talked about all of them to some extent already. Um, so here, here are the uh, nominees. We have 1917. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, Ford vs. Ferrari, Little Women, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and A Marriage Story. So, here, here we are. Um, and before we make any picks, I guess I'll just pretty briefly run, run through where I'm thinking. I feel like this is between... A couple films. As wide open as it is, I think I can eliminate Ford versus Ferrari. I think I can lim- eliminate A Marriage Story. I don't think The Irishman has a shot at this one. Um, and I don't think Jojo Rabbit has a shot. So in my mind, I'm sort of choosing between five. And there's certainly stratification in it for me. Um, I think the the front runners out of those five in my head are 1917, Parasite, and Joker. And I could see maybe Once Upon a Time in Hollywood sneaking in or um, whatever the last one I – because I stupidly closed out my – my list here before I started talking about this. Whatever the uh, the ninth one I haven't mentioned yet, I could also see that squeaking in there. Um, but I, I don't know, and I, I don't feel super confident in my pick, but I, I know what I'm going to pick. But before I, I say that, I'm going to let you uh, walk us through your thoughts on Best Picture. Kind of the same thing, uh, except for I have two films that I feel like are the heavy favorites just percentage wise and then there are three films that i could see 
sneaking in. I think 1917 and Parasite are heavily favored, but I would not be surprised if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won, Joker won, or Little Women won. I could totally see those three movies pulling it off. I don't see there ever being any way in hell that the Oscars would ever have a movie about Nazis win Best Picture. Just the image alone is just not going to do it for the Academy, and they probably think they're so edgy for nominating it in the first place, you know? But I I, I do feel like that 1917 and Parasite are, are heavily favored here, but uh, you got those three wild cards in there that I just don't... I, I don't know. I feel like... So if, you, if they pick... Little Women to win Best Picture, they look hypocritical because they didn't pick Greta Gerwig to be Best Director. Um, Joker would just come off as like an obvious ploy to um, appease, uh, you know, video game, Marvel movie-loving neckbeards. And then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood... Who's to say that that movie is, you know, it's a Quentin Tarantino film. Like, it's a great movie, but he's he's produced nine of them so far. You know, it's like he hasn't won Best Picture yet, so why would, why would this one be any different? And I just really feel like that Parasite in 1917 really shined through, so. All right, so go ahead, take it away. What's your pick for Best Picture? Uh, I'm picking this both because I just want to see the insanity of this happen, and I'm just picking something different than what I know you're going to pick, and yep. I'm picking Parasite. Parasite's yep. going to win. Yep. You know what I was going to say before I said it? I'm taking 1917. It was also uh, my favorite movie that I watched um, in 2019, although I technically saw it in 2020. Um, I really loved it. And I liked Parasite, too. I don't think I had the overwhelming reaction to it that a lot of people did um but it is a fantastic commentary on uh sort of social and and class welfare and stratification i i can't wait um for you to watch it in a couple hours and and let me know what your thoughts are on it um so so there you have it front page headlines quinn takes 1917 ryan takes parasite although ryan's pick was partially because he knew what I was going to pick, and he wants to see madness, which um, I want to see madness, absolute madness. I I can't uh, I can't fault you for that. Um, okay, well we we made it. Twenty four categories, twenty four picks for each of us, and a lot of uh, differentiation, which is exciting. Probably more than uh, we've ever had before, uh, which I'm excited for. Uh, I guess. I could have seen that coming just because neither one of us has seen as much this year, and I think we both feel a little bit out of it. Um, but it's it's exciting nonetheless. The uh, The Oscars start at, I don't know, 7 p.m. Central, maybe. Who knows? 7.30, I think, but yeah, okay. around that time. Red carpet is usually like two hours before that. Um, we'll see. It, it's, it's exciting. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I got regarding the Oscars. Uh, Ryan, I'll, I'll give you the uh, the stage to say anything you want. All I have to say really is I just hope next year is better. I mean, it's I'm not saying it's a down year for film this year, but 
I just feel like there's just lots of missteps uh, mm-hmm. this year, and I really hope things get better. And um, yeah, I'll definitely do better next year. But you know, some years just not as not as compelling to not. Sometimes it's just not as compelling material as other years and stuff. So it can be a struggle. Yeah, and this is this is maybe putting you on the slot. Oh, the spot, the slot, the spot slightly um, because I didn't prepare you for this one, but maybe you know it off the top of your head. If you don't, I'll let you uh, vamp a little bit. But I'm curious. So I mentioned that uh, 2017 is not the name of the movie. 1917 was my favorite film of this past year. I'm curious. Um, and granted, there are a lot of heavy hitters that you have not seen yet. But I'm wondering just right now, based off of what you have seen. What was your favorite film from this past year? Um, I had a lot of fun watching The Irishman and Joker and Marriage Story, but really the two movies that have thus far really shined through for me is Little Women and Jojo Rabbit. Um, Little Women is such a... just perfectly adapted film they should have called it little women 2020 or something that'd be hilarious (laughs) but that's kind of essentially what it is um and jojo rabbit was much more moving than i thought it was going to be i thought it was just going to be a comedy and just kind of um just like a, a fascist satirist movie kind of like starship troopers i went in there thinking that and instead, it's not just satirist. I mean, even it doesn't really even edge. Uh, like, it doesn't even isn't really necessarily a satirical depiction of Nazis per se. Um, aside from essentially, it's just making fun of them dressing up in their little suits like a bunch of little Boy Scouts and stuff like that. Um, but it is just like a really moving, a really moving piece about humanity and stuff. And it, I thought it was really well executed especially with the sensitive topics and stuff. So it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be one of those two movies and I really can't pick between either. They're just really good. But I had, as far as best picture categories go, I had a lot of fun at the movies this year. Um, I just hope it's better next year. Yep. Yep. No, uh, no disagreements there. Well, um, you can always find uh, Ryan's content by subscribing to Reek Entertainment on YouTube. Do the one with more followers because that's the <laughs> that's the legit page now. And um, you can follow him on Twitter as well at Reek Entertainment. You never know when he's going to pop up and, and drop a truth bomb or something on Twitter, and it's always fun once a month when he does. Um, be on the lookout for for his new content uh, coming. Hopefully. Hopefully soon in uh, 2020, but if you subscribe, you'll be the first to know when it drops. Uh, Ryan was kind enough to give us 90 minutes of his Saturday afternoon for our third annual Oscars special, so that's the least you can do to go subscribe to um, some of his stuff. Uh, Ryan, you have any uh, last thoughts or anything before we uh, stop the podcast here? Uh, nothing really, just I have uh, a hell of a lot of fun every year 
that I'm on, and I cannot wait till next year. This is the highlight of my year. So yikes! Yeah, I like talking. Hopefully, we do. Did you did you write down both of our both of our picks, or you just keep dragging yours? Or? I have mine written down. So if you know yours and you want to send them to me, we'll uh, we'll maybe put it in a digestible format yeah. for the fans. Otherwise, I could go back through. I think and remember most of yours or find them pretty quickly. But if you have them offhand, if you want to send it to me, that would be great. Yeah, we need to start keeping track because we always Agreed. say, like, oh, yep. <laughs> I did bad or oh, I did good. I have no idea. There's no way of knowing. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't know. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll make it a priority this year to um, get the hard and fast numbers so that in 50 years when we're doing our show, we'll uh, be able to compare it. It would be like a money ball with all the statistics and whatever the Jonah Hill saber metrics stuff is. <laughs> yeah, it'll be good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, for all of us here at the Beantown Podcast, I want to thank our special guest, Ryan Austin English, for coming on the podcast today. Always a pleasure. And uh, we'll certainly have him back on before this time next year to talk about some sort of crazy hijinks. Who knows? Um, That's what we got for you. Kept in under five hours. So you're welcome. Uh, The Oscars air Sunday, February 9th at 7.30 p.m. Central Time, live from Hollywood. Uh, No host, but that's okay. I hope everyone has a great week thanks for tuning in we appreciate your time uh and uh that's all we got for you so we'll let this music play us out thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll check in on you next week for our special third annual pledge drive telethon fundraiser you know ryan will be there we hope to see everyone else there as well look out for us on social media you're gonna have a lot more information about that coming soon including our gofundme page donor incentive tiers autographed pictures business cards all that stuff so Stay tuned for that. We'll check in on you next time. Have a good one.